morning. Welcome to our morning service here from Wickham. My name's Tim Buckley. I'm vicar here in the parish, looking after St Matthews and St Thomas of Becket. And before we get into our service and continue in our new series of wilderness wanderings, as we look at the life of Moses and the people of God wandering in the desert, I thought it'd be really good to do some Whitcomb wanderings and to get to know some of the people in our parish. So over the next few weeks, as I wander around, I'm going to be chatting to people live and on Zoom to interview them, to hear their stories of their wanderings with God through life, to get to know them and understand more of their journey with God. This morning, we're going to start by listening to Sarah. I'm going to interview her on Zoom and she's going to share a little bit of her story. She's an ordinant, been selected for ordination in the Church of England, and she's going to share a bit of her story because she's going to be with us over the next couple of years. So let's hear from Sarah this morning. Uh, this is Sarah Sanderson. Sarah, tell us a little bit about your life, your household at the moment, um, those who you are living with in these strange days. Yeah, so uh, we've been living in Bath for five years uh, in Oldfield Park, and I live with my wonderful husband, who is called Tim, and my four beautiful girls, who are at the moment 14, 12, 10 and 8. So we have another Sarah and Tim in the parish, just to cause a bit of confusion. <laughs> so, um, Sarah, you've kind of joined the kind of parish to be with us for a bit, and we'll explain what that means and why you're doing that in a moment. Can you tell us a bit about what you've been doing over the last few years? Yeah, so I've been working at Ascension Church, which is in Oldfield Park, and I've been family and children's worker. And my remit when I turned up was to um, encourage families and children into the church community. And so it's been very much a community based job of um, drawing families in, running cafes, uh, running activity days, running holiday clubs and just generally hanging out with families and children. That's brilliant. I know I've heard amazing things and I know you've been doing some incredible projects out there. Um, I, I can tell from kind of some of those amazing structures behind your head. Um, I'm, I'm guessing there's, there's a bit of an engineer. It's a bit of a clue to the engineer in your family. Yeah, um, Tim, uh, my Tim is uh, works at Airbus uh, designing bits of aeroplane and likes to uh, convince the, my girls that they're all going to be engineers when they grow up. <laughs> Um, they, they try and deny this fact. Um, however, as you can see from the models behind, I'm not sure all of them are going to escape the engineering um, blood that runs through them. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. So not, no engineering in your background? Uh, no, I studied, I actually studied at Bath University and I did natural sciences, uh, mainly physics. Um, so I have got a sciencey background, but um, no, not engineering, though. Fantastic. So Bath is a familiar place to you. Um, I know you kind of worked in Bristol for a while before coming over to Ascension, back to back to Bath and working here. Um, life is a little bit different now. You've finished working at Ascension um, because uh, you've taken up something new and exciting for the next couple of years. Yes. Yeah, so um, for the next couple of years, I'm going to be training at Trinity College in Bristol, um, in order to come a vicar, which is a odd kind of thing to do. Um, so yes, I just felt that God was leading me down this path uh, through my work at Ascension and that just carried on. Um, yes, uh, through various, various decisions. I felt like I was on a little river, floating down a river and I kept saying, God, if you want me to get off at any point, that's fine, but he never told me to get off. So here I am. Uh, training to be a vicar very very different to what I've been doing so far in terms of having to read books and write essays 
um, but I'm really excited because of the training that I'm doing means that I can be part of St Matt's and St Thomas's um, for the next couple of years as part of my training. So I spend six weeks, um, separate weeks um, at Trinity throughout the year. So I've done one week, I've got another week coming up. Um, and then in the times that I'm not at Trinity, I have online lectures, which would have been the same whether I was there or not. Yeah, correct. So, so yeah, the course is progressing as it would do with or without COVID. Brilliant. And the plan is for you to be involved both at St. Matt's and St. Thomas Beckett, leading services, beginning to do a bit of preaching and just being around and being part of the family with your lovely family as well. So that's great for us to look forward to that for the next two years at least. Absolutely. Yes. Very excited. With which is really, really, really brilliant. So just to finish, tell us a little bit about your journey to faith. You um, uh, growing up in church, Church of England, always had a faith or is that something that came to you later in life? Uh, no, I joined the Church of England when I was in guides um, because I went to church parade and liked the choir and wanted to join the choir. So um, from kind of about 11, 12, I was going regularly to church, part of a robed choir and um, yeah, enjoyed that kind of um, connection with God, but didn't really understand that um, uh, being Christian was actually having a relationship with Jesus. Came to university in Bath, went to one of the churches in Bath and had this amazing encounter with Jesus of actually this was about loving uh, God and knowing God's love for, um, for me. And it just completely blew me away. And from then on, I just wanted to tell other people about how much God loves us and wants us to be part of who he's made us to be. And um, so so from then on, um, I had some interesting missionary experience, um, went and did some uh, stuff at Kensington Temple and then worked for Scripture Union for a little bit. I had lots of lovely children and have ended up working at Ascension. So very mixed number of different churches and um yeah just continue to want to see people transformed by jesus's love so yeah well it's great to have you and your family in the, in the parish kind of sharing that love and your experiences and it's, it's wonderful to have you part of us thanks yeah. for being able to be interviewed with us today and we look forward to seeing what god does in you and through you and your family over the next few weeks months and years thank you
when we pray, I'm going to say Lord of all. And if you respond, bring peace. Lord, we want to thank you for our world, for the beauty of it, for the weather, the sun and the rain, the plants and the animals. Help us to care for this creation, to bring glory to you. Lord of all, bring peace. Lord, I want to thank you for the diversity of this world. Thank you for all the different countries and all the different people in these countries. Let us just take a moment to think of one country. And Father, we bring this country to you, lift it up to you. And we pray that you would give the leadership of that country wisdom and that they would follow your wisdom. We pray for an end to oppression and we pray a blessing on that country. Lord of all, bring peace. Jesus, thank you for the way that you are using COVID to draw people to you. We pray that more people would find you. We pray that you would weaken and stop this virus, that you would reduce the spread of it. Enable doctors to find cures and vaccines. Lord of all, bring peace. Father, we pray for those leaders and those in authority. We pray a blessing on the Queen and ask that you would grant her wisdom. We pray for Boris and the government that they would follow your wisdom and that they would also be blessed. We lift up Bain's counsel to you, that they would take your counsel and follow that. We lift up heads of companies, heads of schools, heads of churches, especially Tim and Jenny, Lord, that they would know your peace and know what things to do and what things to lay down or not to do to keep everyone safe and to bring glory to you. Lord of all, bring peace. In a moment of silence, we bring those who we know who are ill or in need or struggling. Jesus, would you bless them would you give them your peace and would you lead them on your path? Lord of all, bring peace. We pray for ourselves that day by day we'd see you more clearly, we'd love you more dearly and follow you more nearly. Lord of all, bring peace. Jesus, Lamb of God, have mercy on us. Jesus, bearer of our sins, have mercy on us. Jesus, redeemer of the world, give us your peace. Amen. The first reading is taken from Numbers, chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Water from the Rock. In the first month, 
the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarrelled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert, that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honour me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarrelled with the Lord, and where he showed himself holy among them. The second reading is taken from Matthew chapter 8, beginning at verse 23. Jesus calms the storm. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. You know, there's one thing I'm really certain of in life, in work, in everything is that starting strong is good, but finishing strong is everything. What do I mean by that? Well, one of the many things I love about the Bible is that it portrays its heroes, warts and all, 
it's not overly romantic or fanciful about those seeking to follow God, but rather sometimes offers some searingly honest accounts of the woeful frailties of good people. Sadly, there's many great characters in scripture who ran so well for a while only later to stumble and fall, some catastrophically. David, for example, was a man after God's own heart, a worshipper who wrote amazingly intimate and worship-provoking psalms. He defeated giants and inspired a nation. In later years, however, when he should have been leading his people, he commits adultery and then arranges to have Bathsheba's husband Uriah, one of his mighty loyal men, killed in battle. Or there's King Solomon, who longs for, and is endowed with extraordinary godly wisdom, brings unprecedented prosperity to Israel, who later allows his many wives to turn his hearts away from God to idolatry. Or in 2 Chronicles, where we meet the godly King Jehoshaphat, who later allies himself with the wicked Ahab and his evil son. Or there's King Joash, who starts by repairing the house of the Lord with sweeping great reforms, but later abandons God, turns to idols, and murders the son of the man who raised him. And they offer to all of us a warning that starting well is no guarantee of finishing well. So where's this cheerful sermon going? Well, today, in our wilderness series, we hear the sobering account of Moses, one of the greatest men of God in history, stumbling near the finishing line. His mission and his longing had been to lead God's people into the promised land, but now he appears to make a single catastrophic mistake and consequently is told that he can't now be the one to lead Israel into the land. So what's really happening here? And what can we learn in these sobering days? In the midst of this desert parched land, no doubt still grieving the loss of his sister Miriam, Moses faces a mutinous people, accompanied only by Aaron. He needed a solution from God. A God who had provided water before, a God who would surely come through again. So, prostrate, the brothers approach Yahweh. It's a good, meek starting position, one of humble adoration, intercession and dependence. We're told that the glory of the Lord appeared to them. He experiences the glory of the Lord. He hears the voice of the Lord and receives the command of the Lord. Take the staff, gather the assembly, speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out water. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. Fantastic. He and Aaron gathered the assembly in front of the rock. Great. And then it all begins to unravel. And Moses said to them, listen you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their dry livestock drank. Okay, so he hit it. Twice, actually. But it's not a big deal, right? I mean, water still came out eventually after the second hit. But Moses struck the rock when God had told him to simply speak to it. And that's significant because, of course, back in Exodus 17, Moses had already been through this once before, the time God had told him to hit the rock. So why did he hit it this time? Well, I guess we'll never really fully know, but maybe he hadn't really been listening. 
I think he was angry. I think he was fed up at the people always moaning. Maybe he was still raw over Miriam's death, angry at the world, the sand, the heat, and maybe angry with God for the place they'd all found themselves in. And for me, that thought is a sobering one because for Moses, it has unimaginable consequences. Listen to this scripture. Because you did not trust in me, says the Lord, to show my holiness before the eyes of the Israelites, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. After everything, Moses now isn't getting in. You see, I think Moses in modern day parlance may well have suffered with what we'd now refer to as anger management problems. And you may laugh, but Moses was angry when he killed the Egyptian taskmaster who he, who he found beating a fellow Israelite. And 40 years later, when confronting Pharaoh, even though the Lord has specifically prepared Moses by telling him that he would harden Pharaoh's heart, when Pharaoh repeatedly refuses to let Israel go, Moses went out from Pharaoh in hot anger, Exodus tells us. And later, when Moses finds the people worshiping the golden calf, in anger, he smashes up the Ten Commandments. Now you might argue, well, a lot of this was righteous anger, but for me, these unchecked, unresolved, unsubmitted patterns of behavior is partly what now, some 40 years later, causes him to strike the rock in anger, twice, which results in him being excluded from the promised land. The Scottish hymn writer George Matheson once said, there are times when I do well to be angry, but I've mistaken the times. Maybe your besetting sin isn't anger, but whatever entangling sin keeps tripping you up, Moses' failure to deal with it warns us all to take seriously the need to identify that fault, to recognise our need of God's mercy, forgiveness and healing, to bring it to God, to seek his mercy and transformation and to see it nailed to the cross before it causes us as a people to stumble catastrophically. Now maybe a modern reader might, it might seem kind of rather small detail hitting the rock rather than speaking to it, but to God the little details really do matter. And so they should for us. When God graciously speaks to us, he doesn't waste words. Everything he says is important, beautiful, full of wisdom, authority, life and power. And so if we, to our detriment, take those words lightly or irreverently, with disdain or disregard, the outworking of that can be ruinous. Now, yes, of course, we know that mercifully, God is patient, gracious and forbearing, but let's never forget that he is God, the King of Kings. He's the Holy One. I'm reminded of a section from C.S. Lewis's brilliant novel, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe? said Mr Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. God is looking and longing for faithful sons and daughters, not impetuous toddlers. So the challenge for me, for us all in these serious days, is to take God seriously. To take his living word, his words of life seriously. Let's not simply shrug off God's commandments as though they're not a big deal. What may seem to be a relatively small thing to us may in fact be a really big thing to God. Developing the habit of a hearing ear and heartfelt godly obedience can only bring an abundance of life to help us run fast and run strong in these difficult days. 
in the flowing of the water, Moses filled an obvious and urgent need, but he missed the main point. The main purpose was to see God honored as holy, as the ultimate provider, the one true, all sustaining, entirely faithful source of life and provision. Instead, in his anger at the problems Moses faced in front of a crowd he wanted to both rebuke and wow, Moses found himself on a slippery slope. Listen to his words. Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water out of this rock? We? That kind of sassy implication of that question is, is that Moses and Aaron were able to bring water from the rock. Suddenly, God's relegated to the sidelines. He's out of the equation. It's all become about Moses and his leadership. It's been said that they who claim power to themselves deny it to God. So Moses whacks it in a show of power, bravado, frustration, anger, who knows? And we don't know how quickly he hits it again, but when nothing happens, he does. I like to think it's after a bit of a worried double take. But violence was done to the rock when only a gentle word was needed. And the staff given to Moses as a holy symbol of authority is turned into a mere human club. Interestingly, God in his mercy does bring water gushing from the rock in spite of Moses' disobedience. God wanted, after all, to provide for Israel. But this act for Moses meant more than just a rebuke. He blew it. And for him, there were real lasting consequences. So as I reflect on my life, not, not as vicar or church leader, but simply as a man, a father, a husband, a dad, most importantly, a child of God, I long for my life to have purpose and meaning. And I long to know I'm pleasing God, obeying him, not just in the big things, but in the small things, in the daily decisions and choices I make, the paths I choose to walk along, the places I choose to find rest, the commands I read in his word and the voice of his spirit. For me, finishing strong is everything. And to finish strong, I need to be stepping and running in obedience and faithfulness moment by moment, day by day. So will you join with me today by renewing your decision to receive and know Christ and be fully known by him, to yield every hidden corner of your heart, mind and soul to his light, to receive his forgiveness and embrace his kingly rule over every area of your life? If you've never done that before, today is a great opportunity to make Jesus king of your life. It's really simple. It only requires you to ask him. Jesus says this, listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. Lord, in these difficult darkened days, we open up to you to say yes to you. Yes to you, Jesus. We submit to you and we obey you. In my life, your kingdom come, your will be done. Amen. God, I look to you and I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you, cause you're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom, cause you know just what to do. And I
never knew 